You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Vicki Jacoby continues her mini-series on Mary as a part of our New Testament Characters podcast. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. In this podcast, we're looking at Mary and her relationships with, as I have titled it, the other women. In a previous podcast, we talked about Mary and Elizabeth's relationship, their friendship, that they were family. And it's really at the very beginning of the gospel accounts when Mary finds out that she's going to be with child that we talked about the dynamics of the relationship with Elizabeth. Now we are going to fast forward 30 years. We know from the gospels that Jesus started his ministry around the age of 30. And really from the time that Jesus is 12 and we see him in the temple where he gets separated from his parents, We really don't hear anything of him for about 18 years. It's during this time that we just presume Jesus was at home. He was growing up. He became a young man. Uh, He matured. Um, And obviously, from what we understand, he was helping his father to run the family business. He was a carpenter. Now we find Mary at the end of the Gospels. Here, if I'm guessing 30 years, she's in the 45 to 50 year age range. And I think from listening to some of the feedback from many of us, there's a lot of questions that we have, how to handle relationships, how we handle our lives when we get to this stage in life, when our children, if we've had children, um, are not going to be around anymore. I think it's a time in life when a lot of things that we dreamt about when we were young, when we were a teenager, when we first came to know Christ, those things haven't happened. I think we find Mary with disappointed hopes. I think there's many of us women often in this gap. I'm going to say around 50. That's kind of the age group I'm in right now, where there have been some significant disappointments, things that we believe, things that we treasured and pondered when we first came to understand the scriptures, perhaps decisions we made to either work for a ministry, go on a mission field, stay at home, sacrifice, be with our children. We've done a lot of things where we've really tried to put into practice the Bible, and yet there's been a tremendous amount of heartache and pain and disappointment and things that we had hoped for and we never believed would happen to us have happened to us. And this is where I think we find Mary. At this point in her life, I think she's disappointed. It's probably true to say that Joseph is no longer around And so all her hopes would have been placed in her eldest son, which, of course, is Jesus. And from what we can gather, Jesus has been there. He's up in Galilee, Nazareth area. Um, He's obviously got a very close relationship with God, but it's not like it's the time of miracles and, and time of his ministry. And so he's been taking care of his mother and really taking that spot in life of looking after her then it's almost as if Mary has forgotten and the things that she treasured in her heart 30 years prior to this time, they're a little fuzzy, they're a little confusing. And she sort of got used to things, hey, family's okay, my kids are doing all right, and I'm okay, and yeah, it's a little disappointing. But you kind of expected your husband back then to die because they tended 
to die before the woman because and if you'd made it through childbirth that's just how the nature of life was the husbands tended to be older so here we find mary alone i think fearful i know something in my life i've seen is as i've got older and as i've needed to let go of my children fears creep in and things i've become afraid of things that i wasn't afraid of 30 years ago even 20 years ago worry and anxiety and some of this i think is due to all the hormonal changes that go on in our bodies the thing i was not a fearful person but all of a sudden that's where i find myself anxious worried about what's going on letting go of children um watching them make decisions that are often disappointing to us sometimes making decisions that take them away from a relationship with god um sometimes having illnesses things that really are very disappointing and make us sad and i think this is a little bit how we can start to relate to mary at this time you know whether we want to blame it on menopause or disappointed hopes there are many things that could have made her sad but we know for a fact that jesus has started his ministry we know there's a time when mary takes the other children and they go to confront jesus um in luke chapter 8 they're, they're a little concerned about some of the things that jesus is doing but we also start to see at this time that there were other women who were traveling with jesus and his ministry wasn't just to men but he was having a significant impact on other women and in luke chapter 8 we find out some of the names of these women who will actually become very significant in mary's life but at this point she doesn't really know who they are It says Luke 8 verse 1. After this Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them. That's the 12 and Jesus. out of their own means. So we find here that there's a group of women who are from the Galilee, the northern part of um Israel coming down and following Jesus and being with Jesus. Um and with the 12, uh, whether we want to think of them as female apostles or female disciples, but they they're very committed to doing and being with Jesus at this time. Eo we also read in Luke chapter 18 that's when Jesus his mother and brothers come to see him and Jesus lets them know that who are my mother and my brothers but those who do the will of my father and we see some of Mary's anxiety i think their concern is another time when they're upset because Jesus isn't feeding himself this is a 30 year old man and yet there's some lessons for us i think as women that sometimes we want to try and take control when actually we've actually got to let go of control and it's confusing and it's a time when we can feel very alone and we wonder what's going on we wonder if god is going to meet our needs because for so long our family has met an emotional need and whether we like it or not we, our needs are changing and it's confusing it's confusing to us the hormones losing and going out of control and we just don't know we, we've been so confident perhaps as being a mother or a wife and all of a sudden 
We're just a woman who's alone and who's aging and who's dependent on other people. In today's society, we pride ourselves on our independence. But all of a sudden, whether we have ill health, disappointed hopes, just emotional heartache, pain, loss. There are so many losses and so many changes in relationships and dynamics at this stage of life that I think we can really relate to Mary. Mary seems to be coming in and out of Jesus's life a little bit at a distance. But we find her very clearly involved in Jesus' life around the time of the crucifixion. And when I look at Mary and the relationship with the other women or the relationships that she has with the other women, I see something in Mary that I recognized that I saw in her when she was with Elizabeth. She understood that she needed to be with women or with another woman like Elizabeth, who was family, but who had that spiritual common denominator. And we find Mary with these other women who've got that same love for Jesus, for Jesus' ministry, a passion for the word, a passion for the mission. And Mary finds herself 30 years on with women with the same focus. A lesson here for me is to think about the need that I have to be with other like-minded women. Even though emotionally I might feel disappointed, I may feel a little detached. Um, Sometimes it seems like there's so many young people who are becoming Christians, but how many people my age are becoming Christians? I've moved. I've started home. I've set up another home. I've moved to another country. Those are many of the things that we, how we find ourselves. The things that secured us to our house, the children, the schools, their projects, their homework, their, their hobbies, their whatever it was, getting them through college, all of that gets stripped away. And we find ourselves very alone, like I think Mary did. It's interesting this year, I've been a Christian for 30 years. And so I think of this time, you know, of how I first received the scripture, the, the thrill and the excitement of understanding the gospel, of being grateful for salvation. That all, sometimes we lose it. It, it just goes away. We, it becomes part of our routine life. And we've believed, we've had faith for such a long time, it's just second nature. And perhaps it starts to lose its specialness. And perhaps we start a little bit like Mary to get disconnected with Jesus. We try to take control, whereas we actually know we need to trust God and we need to put our faith in his son, whose gospel message is one of salvation, and that our hope needs to be in the resurrection, not in the things that we're doing right now. And we see Mary here, 30 years on, really coming to grips with understanding that her hope is going to be in the resurrection of her son. That that was the hope for Israel. That was the hope that the angel proclaimed to her that she would have the Messiah. She would call him Emmanuel. Um, the, the message would be proclaimed. But somehow during those 30 years, things had just slipped a little. And yet, we know she had treasured things up in her heart. We know she had pondered things. And it's almost a reawakening, a revision, a revival of her faith that we see take place here. But it's key that she has other relationships that really help her out. You know, one of the things that 
has always drawn me to Mary is in John chapter 19, verse 25. And I think it's one of the most gut-wrenching scriptures where it talks about near the foot of the cross stood Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it mentions some of our other friends. I've tried to put myself in that situation just to imagine what was it like when it's all coming together, the things that had been prophesied about her son, the scriptures that she knew in the Old Testament, they were all coming true for this Jewish woman who'd been so faithful, who'd been so courageous, and now she's watching her son die. We know she's gone through loss, and yet she's there and she's watching. But what I notice is in one of her greatest times of need, she's with the other women. There are a number of places that allude to the other women. Um, at the end of the Gospels, there's quite a few. Um, in Matthew 27, verse 55, we, we read, many women were there watching from a distance. This is at the cross. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Often that's Salome is believed to be the mother of Zebedee's sons. In verse 61, we find that when Joseph of Arimathea has put Jesus in the tomb, verse 61, it says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. You know, we see these women, these women who had followed Jesus almost. It's interesting to me, but these are Jesus's friends. These are women that Jesus has influenced. They come from Galilee. Maybe they'd been known to Mary before Jesus's mother. But we start to realize that she is now with a different group of women. In Matthew 28 verse 1, the day of the resurrection, it says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to look at the tomb. Verse 11, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests, and the elders, all that had happened because these women had realized that he had risen from the dead. Jesus had spoken to them. He'd seen them and he told them and they'd come to understand the amazing good news. It's heartbreaking just to think of what Mary has gone through over this three day period. She's watched her son be crucified. She stood there at, the, at a distance. She's there at the bitter end. And then when Jesus is found to have been resurrected, she's still in Jerusalem and she's there. And one of the things that I think there's lessons here for us to learn is how important we are to be, quote unquote, the other women for somebody, for another person who's going through a difficult time. To be sort of nameless, the other women, we don't really like that. We would really rather be known as perhaps Mary Magdalene, Salome, or, or have a title. But there were a lot of other women who had traveled with Jesus. They had come from Galilee and they're there, even sometimes at a distance. And what I see is Mary here understanding her need to let these other women into her life. 
and for these other women to just be happy and content to be there for her. One of the things that I have learned through going through struggles and suffering is how much I need support from friends, from other women, from somebody who maybe can, has gone through something similar, someone who cares. Our tendency, often as women, is to try to fix each other. But during something as catastrophic as that's gone on here, when Jesus' death, Mary needed support. She needed the other women. And I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that when someone's going through a hard time, a loss, they're suffering, whether it's an emotional loss, a physical loss, sometimes an illness, people don't, other women, they don't want to be fixed. They don't need to be fixed. They need support because we all have to go through our own suffering. Our nature in today's society is that we need to rescue everybody. And we almost have this sort of idea that there should be a spiritual helicopter that's going to come down and someone's going to come down on a rope and pick us up or pick up our child or pick up our situation and just get zoomed back out and get plucked out of the situation and rescued. A lot of times I think we have to see suffering or the storms of this life. We need to go through it. We can't get plucked out of it and have a helicopter rescue. And as a result, during those times, we need other people with us as we go through the storms of life. One of the things that I think about with Mary is that it takes a special kind of woman to accept that you need help and that you need support, that you can't do it by yourself. I think how hard it must have been that some of these women who'd been given financial support to Jesus were now actually going to give her emotional support. It was probably a little bit embarrassing. His women funding her son. Um, his women who seemed to understand him better than she had for the last little bit. Um, she'd felt a little disconnected. And here are people who were clearly very connected and were excited, um, saddened by what had gone on, but also thrilled at the same time. And for Mary to be this vulnerable and to open herself up takes tremendous amount of courage. And if there's anything I see over and over again in Mary's life is that she was courageous. After we've been around for 30 years as a Christian, we need to make sure that we have got the courage that Mary has. The courage to welcome other women into our life. And I think the courage to make new friends. In Acts chapter 1, we find Mary with some of her new friends. In verse 12, it says, When they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. In those days Peter stood up among the believers and we know that goes on that Peter is the leader of this group but they're right there um, in Jerusalem, or possibly here, they're in that upper room in Bethany. But here we find Mary, right in the center with Jesus's 12 disciples, the other Roman, 
and his brothers. This whole family, this new unit has come together. And Peter stands up and we know by the beginning of chapter two, it's the day of Pentecost. That's 50 days after Passover. And I really think that we find Mary right now in the center of everything. She's there, I believe, at the day of Pentecost. She sees the church, the kingdom of God, be ushered in in a new and exciting way. She's made friends with the other women. What I love also about Mary is that she didn't hide from the fellowship during an incredibly hard time, that she had that courage that I talked about to allow other women into her life, to be grieving in the presence of other people. I think for many of us, when we hurt, when our hopes, when we're disappointed, we're sad, we're not sure really what the future holds. We often want to go away and be alone and by ourselves. But Mary is there. She's accepted the countenance, the fellowship, the constancy of these other women and their relationships. And it's an amazing thing because I think it must have meant so much to Jesus to see his mother really in the thick of things. So there's things that I learn for myself, is to allow other people to meet my needs. So often, we like to meet everyone else's needs because we have this tendency we want to fix people. But for me to allow myself to have my needs met is allowing other people to support me, to be with me, and for me to realize that they cannot fix me. But that we can go through this life, we can go through the hardships the times of suffering, the times of pain together. And that's really going to be what it means to be a part of God's family. That sense of rejoicing together, mourning together, suffering together. God knows that we need to be in a community. And my plea to you is wherever you are, whatever hardship you're facing, what disappointment, discontentment, disappointed hopes, uh, perhaps dread of what's to come or what is coming, um, just not being able to see the wood for the trees and wondering, is God hearing our prayers or your prayers? Sometimes not even knowing what to pray. That during this time is really when we need other people and we need to be a part of the fellowship. And then we need to go. For us mainly, that means going to church. Everything in us is you. You're miserable, you're lonely, stay at home, take care of yourself. But at this time, we need to go and we need to be a part of things and learn from other people. I think there's a key also for us to be like Mary, but another key is for us to be willing to be the other women. That these jobs doesn't look that glorious. We may not be known, we may not be mentioned, but God knows he goes that we were there and we were just somebody who was supporting Jesus's ministry. And maybe, quote unquote, it's another mum. It's a Mary who needs our support. She doesn't need to be fixed. She just needs to be supported. She needs to be able to pour out her heart and have somebody listen. And sometimes when we're in anguish, we say things. 
oh, we can look a little unhinged or maybe doctrinally we don't even sound, we just need a sounding board. We're, we're at sea a little bit and we're getting beaten around by the waves and the storms of life. And what we just need is somebody, a friend to listen, somebody to pray with, not necessarily someone to correct us or for us to correct somebody, but for us to be there, just our physical presence. I know it's not easy to be the other woman or to be a part of the group of the other women, but they were crucial in Jesus' ministry. They were there. They saw him die. I'm sure they were part of at least the 500 that saw him resurrected. They saw what the apostles saw. They were there. They didn't miss out. And I think it's so key that sometimes we must understand that we will miss out if we're not with the body. We don't want to be like Thomas, who when Jesus appeared, he missed it. And so our presence is necessary. And whereas other women just being there to carry each other's burdens, to try to imagine what it's like, to understand that each one of us will grieve a loss in a different way. And we may not understand exactly the situation, but we know what it's like to have lost, to know what it's like to have lost a loved one, to lost a relationship, to have lost hope, uh, to be confused, just to even be lost in our emotions. And one of the reasons I love to study Mary is because we see her through her entire life, from a young teen to an older woman. We see her go through tremendous loss and suffering and pain Spiritual anguish, emotional anguish, physical anguish, just the thought of watching your child die on a cross, uh, even understanding that the resurrection was to come, that was no easy task. But to see her and to be women of courage, to be like her, to be the other women who are courageous enough to step into someone's life and just be there and be a friend. A few years ago, I got the chance to really be what I would call one of the other women. There was a group of us here who live in Atlanta and we're part of the same fellowship. And a number of us have been privileged enough to adopt daughters from China. One such friend, Joan, had adopted two girls at a different point from China. And her oldest daughter, was suddenly diagnosed with a very rare genetic cancer. And it was just incredible. But when Katie was 20 years old, she succumbed to cancer. She died. It was one of the most heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, awful situations that any of us could imagine. Because it didn't seem fair that this poor child who had gone through an awful lot be, and that she could remember while she was in China, had then been adopted and was, had become a Christian and was just finishing up in high school when she lost her life to cancer. For Joan, for Mia, her other sister, it just seemed to be so unthinkable. It was unreal. And yet, as the time came near to Katie's death, uh, in the summer, about three years ago, it was an incredibly important time and crucial time when some of us who 
had daughters that were adopted, I think really became for Joan some of the other women in her life. We had a, a number of us had known each other because we had gone through the same agency when we had been adopting our girls. And um, three of us actually had adopted girls from the same orphanage in Shanghai, China. And we now ended up in the same fellowship in 2006, 2007 in Atlanta. And we were always a little bit puzzled by this and, and somewhat amazed and thinking that, wow, our girls must need each other. They're going to go through high school together. And clearly God had his hand in this. And so we had all been amazed and had treasured in our hearts God's plan, God's purpose for our girls. It was interesting, though, because I think what we realize now as the mums, and us, we'll pull, call ourselves the other women, is that actually we were going to need each other because of the, some of the hardships and heartaches that we went through during that time. But for me, I always remember the night that Katie died. We had gone over, Lily and I, that's my youngest daughter, who is adopted from China, in the morning um, in October, because it was Katie's fifth spiritual birthday. And in many ways, Katie had just willed herself to stay alive. And so we went over there that morning. She was very sick. She, we knew the end was near. And we took five big balloons and we went and sang happy birthday to her and congratulated her on being a Christian a quarter of her life. It was her spiritual birthday. And um, we were so excited. And it was actually later on that day in the early afternoon when Joan called me, her mother, to say that the hospice nurse had been in and that death was imminent. That Saturday night, I just dropped everything. I was actually walking out of the door to go to a concert and headed straight over to the house. And there were, ended up with five of us being there that night with Joan and with Katie. And uh, we nicknamed ourselves, we got the nickname the Fab Five because we'd been very involved with helping Katie helping the family, just doing whatever needed to be done. But that night, I really got to understand what it was like to be the other woman. And I'm so grateful. It was a very painful night, I mean, a night of a lot of tears. But on the other hand, I felt like I got to see and experience probably what Mary experienced. Rather than the verse that talks about Mary being near the foot of the cross. I wrote in my journal about how near the foot of the bed was Joan and the other women. That night, as Katie's breathing became more laboured, we sang spiritual songs. We encouraged each other. We just were there with Katie, with one another. And yes, we didn't watch Jesus go to the cross. But in a very real way, watching Katie die made me connect with Mary, made me connect with the cross, made me be there with Joan and watch this mother with her daughter just pour out her love as she spent her final few minutes with us in this time on earth. And we were just there for each other, you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. But the biggest thing was, we were there. 
we were the other women. And I'm so glad that I was there because of being able to be with somebody, watching her peacefully, calmly die, knowing that she'd been faithful to God. And she was only 20 years old, but there was something that I learned that was such a valuable lesson. I felt so privileged and honored to be there. And it made me realize that I think that's what the other women felt like, being able to be there with Mary, just to be the support. And it made me understand that if we're going to have true friendships as sisters, we're going to have to go through hard times together and the good times together. That's what it means to be family. And the scripture comes alive because you suddenly understand what it must have been like for Mary to be at the foot of the cross. I understood in a very different way what it was like for Job to be at the foot of the bed. But the parallels were so clear. And it felt like a new understanding that the hope that we had was in the resurrection, that we would see Katie again. But being there, being a support was what it was all about. We couldn't fix Katie. We couldn't change the situation. But we could be there. And one of the things that I think we have to do to form these kinds of relationships that are going to change us for life. And we'll be friends for life, even if we move from these women because of the experience that we have. That as the other women, we have to look for ways to get involved in someone's life, to support. When someone's going through a crisis, like Joan, we just walked in, into her life. We had known her, but we knew she was going to need support. Joan didn't know what she needed. I don't think Mary, the mother of Jesus, knew what she needed. But just by being there, the very presence, by being a support, by cooking a meal, cleaning a house, popping in, making a phone call, going around at the awkward times. That's how we make relationships that really we're going to have for all eternity. And that's what Jesus desires for us to have. I believe he wanted his mother to have those relationships. He wanted Mary to be looked after. But we see her at the cross with the other women. But then we also see her in Acts chapter 1 with the other women as they start and they're part of the church. You know, Mary makes a big move, going from Galilee to being in Jerusalem and then being with one of Jesus' disciples. I think after 30 years in the faith, sometimes we've got to have this kind of resurrection experience where we realize what life is about. It's about relationship with Jesus. It's about understanding that the hope and our hope is in the future of the resurrection. But our life is in the present, but we've got to live it with the presence and within the presence of other women. In conclusion, when I think of Mary, I think of a willingness to let someone come in and meet your needs and be a support that takes courage at a very vulnerable point in our lives when we're sad, when our hopes are a little down, when we're disappointed, is allowing other people into your life and still being connected and a part of the assembly, the body, the family. 
And the other lesson that I take away is a willingness to be other women, the other woman, and that's to give. We all have to learn to be able to give and to be able to receive. And being able to give may just be time and support, might just be money, might be financial, but it doesn't mean we can fix. And I think having patience to be a support to someone is a gift. It takes prayer, it takes patience. It also takes courage because we're going to be with someone when they're hurting. When people hurt, they're not always the nicest or the kindest, but they really do appreciate that we're there. And so I think when I look at Mary, I look at the other women, there's a give and take. Both have to learn to be able to give. Both have to learn to receive. And that that is the kind of dynamic that we have with Jesus Christ. That's the kind of dynamic we have in the church, in the fellowship. And that our relationship with God is built on being able to give to God what is his, to serve, to help but is also to receive and also to accept the blessings that God gives us and to share them with other people. And relationships are two-way. And I think relationships with God, a relationship with God is goes both ways. We pray and we listen. And likewise with each other. We've got to listen and we've got to hear and we've also got to be heard and we have to be there. So hopefully this will give you some thoughts about looking at some situations maybe in your fellowship where maybe there's a Mary who needs some other women. Or maybe you're realizing that you need to have the courage and be vulnerable and ask for some help or accept some support from some other women because we really cannot make it on our own in this life. So I hope this podcast will just help to think about whether you need relationships like Mary, whether you need to be other women in someone else's life, Um, because it's so clear that this is one of the strengths and it does take courage that Mary had, that she was able to give, but she was also able to receive. We hope you enjoyed Vicki's teaching on Mary. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.